In a time where parents have the weight of a thousand decisions on their shoulders and every step is like walking in quicksand, adventure's probably not in your focus. However, research shows families who adventure are more resilient and have significantly healthier minds and bodies. The purpose of this podcast is to help families connect through simple and authentic adventure experiences. Welcome to Ordinary Sherpa, your online community designed to help you connect, reach your summit, and create meaningful adventure experiences with your family. Hello, and welcome to Ordinary Sherpa. I'm your host, Heidi Dusick. Welcome back, friends. I'm a little late today, and I feel like this is just the metaphor of my life. I'm never really good at being on time. I show up, and when I show up, I'm really good at being present, but I'm not always good at showing up on time. And I knew when I embarked on this podcast that being consistent and publishing every week on Wednesday was probably going to be hard but I was up for the challenge. Well, it's been a month. It's not bad. It's not good. It's not fabulous. It's not horrible. It's just a month. And I realized that sometimes we put arbitrary timelines on things like publishing every week at 4 a.m. That just, there's really no rhyme or reason. It was literally an arbitrary decision. And I don't really care about algorithms. And I don't really care that I broke a streak for a while. I just decided that I will get this episode out when it's ready. And I wanted to get it out to you. This is one of my favorite things to do is to publish episodes and have these conversations. But sometimes I just get bogged down in the stuff. So my apologies. I am committed to continuing to bring you good content. It's one of my favorite things, but I might not always show up on time. And I appreciate your grace. I am, however, really enjoying fall. And I think that's one of the things is our weather here. And it sounds like across the country, it's been a magnificent fall. So I'm really enjoying life. We've taken a lot of time away from life and pausing and work and just staying home. It's a transition period for us. And we're transitioning now into hibernation mode, which means we've been cutting wood and just trying to get healthy as we get ready for November and December and the end of the year. So lots of crazy, lots of fun, lots of adventures, lots of pauses in this house. And it's been great. So thank you. And if you haven't taken a pause, maybe it's time. I want to actually start this episode, though, by saying uh, just a moment of gratitude. I have always appreciated, as you know, written reviews. They literally light me up and they bring so much joy in some of these crazy moments in life. And every time I look in, I get a weekly update on new written reviews in my email inbox. And I'm always like, oh, fun. I wonder who this is (laughs) because I don't always know you. So this week I have two written reviews that I want to share with you. The first one is from AJ on Fire. Adventure is out there. A great addition for anyone seeking adventure from small acts at home to getting out in the world and exploring. Heidi and her guests share stories from their lives and their work that break down the barriers to adventuring, making it human and attainable. It was just what I needed to add more adventure to our family life. I look forward to learning more and collecting wonderful memories along the way. Thank you for the great content and inspiration, Heidi. Well, you are welcome, AJ. I love that you uh, said making it human and attainable. I really want this content to be actionable and simple enough that you could do it tomorrow. So that means a lot to me. Thank you so much for leaving that review. The second 
review is going to actually lead into my conversation here in a minute. So it's from G. Suarez, and it says, where was this show when my kids were younger? The Ordinary Sherpa podcast has been great listening to just for the wide variety of ideas and the host Heidi and her guests provide for getting out of the house and exploring the world with your family and or spouse. Thank you, G. Suarez. I just want to actually challenge you back and say, like, you're not out of time. You can still adventure with your kids. There's no timeline on this. In fact, I had a guest one time who challenged me and said, you know, I'm old. I don't think your audience would really relate with the things I've done. And I'm like, well, that's relatively speaking. I never said it was like parents of young children. Some of my listeners don't even have children. So don't self-select yourself out by thinking that you don't fit the description. You can adventure at any time. Your kids are never too old or never too young. That this is always an opportunity for you. So thank you, though, both of you for leaving those reviews. You know this. I love, love, love reviews. It's the greatest compliment to my show. If you would be willing, I am nearing my one-year anniversary. And yeah, throw a question in a review, write a written review. Let's try to get to 100. Leave us a question, a key takeaway, a thought, a comment, something more you want to hear about. Go to the written reviews, go to ordinarysherpa.com backslash review and just do it. I'd really appreciate it. It would be a huge help. And yeah, I might read your review on the show. You never even know. One of the aspects today uh, and the theme for the show is really talking about our journey towards an RV. Really, it's a camping journey. And I think it's so important because our adventurous mindset was molded through years of camping. I camped a little bit when I was a child, but then I got much more into it into my 20s and eventually have built a portfolio of experiences now rooted in camping. And I invited my husband back on the show for this episode to really help tell our camping story, which culminates in a one-way airplane ticket to go buy an RV in Florida. And Mr. Dusick is definitely a handy guy to have around when it comes to things like this. And so I wanted you to all get access to his brain and how not only did we tell the story, but what were some insights and some tips and things that he looks for along the way to optimize or to maintain or to make good decisions. If you listened at all to our Making Crazy Decisions with Your Partner episode, I'll link it in the show notes. You'll know that there's a lot that sometimes goes on in making these crazy decisions. So this has definitely been helpful for me. And I wanted you guys to hear a little bit about his end of the story. Just in researching the RV, inspecting them, tips and considerations for purchasing or maintaining. And this episode was designed to be part education and part entertainment. So I'm hoping even if you aren't interested in buying an RV or interested in renting an RV or camping in any way, shape or form, I hope that there's still enough inspiration in here that you'll find value to just slow down. Nomad life and camping, yeah, all of those things have been huge ingredients in our adventure story. And so perhaps this will inspire your curiosity to try it or rekindle the potential of what's available. And with that, I'm going to bring you my husband, Mr. Dusick. We have been camping for quite a while. Do you want to just give the backstory to our camping history? We clearly did not start out in an RV. So talk a little bit about how we started camping. So we first started camping, uh, tent camping, basically every Memorial weekend and just started from there. Uh, we did that for probably what, eight, eight years in the tent. I think it was even longer than that. It was, it was after our youngest was born when we finally started having a pop-up camper. Yeah. And before that, I mean, we, our, we expanded, you know, as we got tents, tents grew bigger with the family, um, added more stuff and found out that we were bringing 
way more stuff than what we needed um, just to try to get to those comfort levels of tent camping. Well, and I think what the deciding factor was, was when our last tent, it was like a huge, what, not really like a two room tent. It was just a big tent. When the zipper started to go and I was like, I am not spending like six or $700 on a tent, wasn't it? Yeah. We were looking at getting a better tent that would last and just looking at the tents and the quality and going, okay, we don't want to get wet anymore. That was the big thing because yeah. it always rained. It never failed. You'd have one wet day and it just ruined it because you're like, all right, let's go to town because it's raining. Yeah. And we were camping with three kids under six. Yes. And a dog. And a dog. Uh, not just a little dog either. He was, at that point, we had diesel and he was what, 100 pounds? About that, yeah. Yeah. So like a muddy dog, three kids. And we had really upped our camping game. We had cots and we had an air mattress. So it wasn't uncomfortable, but it just kind of got to be impractical, I think. So from there, what did we do? Um, from there, we started looking for pop-ups because that's kind of the way we went. We still wanted to have that, I guess, that tent feel to it, um, but not the big frills of a huge camper with all the extendos and stuff. So we just went to the pop-up and did that. And it were, it served well. I mean, And we, re- we started by renting. Yes, we did. We started renting. I think we did that for like two years. And then we're like, all right, it's time. We've we know we like this. This is a good extension. Uh, we've we've stayed dry, and we just kind of wanted to have our our own ability to hook up to it and kind of go whenever we wanted. Yeah, and we were kind of made fun of because it was <laughs> it was always a game. I think with our friends of like who's got the next cool thing. And that year we roll up with a pop up while everybody else was in their campers and or in their tents, I should say. And I think the deciding factor was we realized how mu- how nice it was to have electricity. I think that was one thing when we were like, oh, we can actually plug in and have some electricity. So we rented a pop-up. It was kind of a nice, we realized like those little things mattered. And then I think we rented a pop-up a couple years. We did a couple years and each year, like I would go get them and we'd rent like an eight footer and they like kept upgrading. So we were getting bigger ones. We're like, oh wow, this is kind of nice. And then we really started looking at pop-ups and in the size that we thought we wanted, like these little eight footers, we're like, there's no way we can do this in, in that smaller capacity. It would have worked, but it just would have been tighter and, and not as not quite as nice. So then we just started looking for pop-ups and went from there. And we did buy a pop-up. We did. Um, it was a 14-footer to start with. So it was a little bit bigger than what we wanted, but it was older and it fit. It was nice. It had the amenities that we, we wanted. It had the, the awning and enough beds for everybody. Um, and we had some uh, some nicer stuff that we could take, like the, the stove was huge, being able to take that outside um, and not have to be confined to the inside of the camper and always cooking inside when it's 90 degrees in the summer. So it had some nice things to it, um, but it, it worked. And that's what I think was the big piece to it was it wasn't a tent. When it rained, we stayed dry. Yeah. I think what we've learned too over the years is we added little things like the Tupperware drawers that we could pack all of our clothes in. So it was like you didn't have to pack the camper, set up the camper to pack it every time. We could just pull stuff in and out and having our pots and pans always in the camper was nice. So there were some natural amenities that kind of came with the pop-up camper. And so when did we first, I kind of laughed because I probably was the one that was in anti-camper slash RV girl. Like I probably said, I I think we were both there. It was more of, I don't want to have something that I feel the need to always go camping and have it sitting there. And it's like, I didn't want a huge expense or like a burden of, I've got this new shiny thing that I always feel like I need to go use where, and that's kind of where we were at, or I was at, I think where I just didn't want to be 
tied to it. Yeah. We traveled a lot. We did. And that's what I think. And I think most of our exposure was to people who, instead of traveling, would put a permanent, go to a permanent campsite. And that's what they did. It was almost like their cabin for the weekend. They would park their camper and they went to the camper for the weekend. And I think that's where we felt like tied down. And then what happened in 2020? And let's just go right into like... That was when we started, I guess, our trip. Well, let's back up trip. a little bit. So we, in 2020, was supposed to be our epic travel year. We had a ton of travel rewards. We were planning three weeks in Hawaii, maybe even longer. I don't remember. And so when everything shut down. Well, we, we had Utah. Utah was set, though. Yeah, we had Utah, Utah was, was going to be our first RV, like, let's rent this. And you came up with the idea. And first I was like, ah, I don't know if I want to be in an RV. Like we, and we were thinking C-Class, nothing major. Um, so a smaller one. And at first I'm like, I wasn't in love with it. I'll be honest. There was like a part of me feeling like, oh my gosh, did I like just turn 60 or something? <laughs> and that, and when you brought, I'm like, okay, I'm going to try it and just see where it goes. And then that trip didn't happen because right, of COVID. That was spring break. Right. Right after the world shut down. And then Hawaii got canceled and that was scheduled for June. And so we realized... There might be a silver lining in all of this because we had already planned three weeks out. Well, instead of taking three weeks, we could potentially do a like self everything being contained essentially within the RV. And that's when I I was like, wow, that's I mean, with the RV, like we can do everything that we need to outside of getting groceries and gas. We're confined. So like we have our own space outside of getting there. And we packed. I will just say like that was a really stressful trip in some aspects because we didn't know what was going to be open. We didn't know, would we be able, would there be toilet paper? Like, this is the funniest question. If you guys remember March of 2020, and even as we were preparing, so our trip was in June of 2020. And as we were preparing, I legit was packing for like the world ending. So I didn't know what was going to be open. I didn't know, you know, would grocery stores be available? Would we be rationed on how much we could purchase for certain things? Would toilet paper even be available? That was like the big thing. Would propane be available? So we essentially packed every possible thing that we would need and our bags were packed i remember like trying to get stuff ready to go it's like oh my goodness how are we gonna fit all this in but we did it felt really overwhelming so we get our rv our first night is a boondocking night and we had never boondocked before and i think it was a little eye-opening for me because there was nobody around us like we had this amazing campsite right outside do you remember that? I'm trying to think of, they all kind of blend together. Lassen Volcanic National Oh Forest yeah, that's right. It was like the first night. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was one where I was like, oh my gosh, this is pretty magical. I remember that. Yeah. Yes. Um, so yeah, I would agree. That was like, to me, like, okay, we have this rig that is self-contained and we can do these things where it's not like we need power. We have the ability to turn the generator on and just kind of open to me like, wow, this is pretty cool. We are staying in just BLM land, found these sites, which are, are super cool that people rate as well so that you, you know, kind of have a predetermined idea of what you're getting into. And I, I like that as well. But once you're there and set up, I mean, there were, it was just the possibilities are endless. I think the other thing about the BLM and the, the dispersed camping or the boondocking that was kind of, I didn't know was I really felt this need to be in almost like scarcity mindset that we were going to run out of power or we were going to run out of water or we were going to fill our tanks. And so I remember being like ultra conservative about how much water we could use and making sure we 
only flushed the toilet so much. And looking back, I think we went, we had planned on being on BLM land or dispersed camping for like two nights. Two to three nights we would go. Yeah. And then we made sure we had a spot to plug in just because we needed water or what have you, which, you know, hindsight looking back now, knowing what we know, you can find so many places that you can get water or you can dump for free or, or just ask because we've done that before too like we went into a state park and it was like hey could we use the dump station and the camp host he's like i've never had anybody ask that before and talk to the the ranger and he's like yeah did you pay for the fee to get in the park well yeah we did we just wanted to make sure and they're like yeah go ahead so i mean there's so many options out there where you don't need to be tied to an actual campground but i mean if that's the way you want to go and have those amenities, sure. You are limited with the boondocking though because you do have to rely on your generator for the big ticket items like your AC or, or microwave. But if you're okay with not doing that and it's not you know, crazy hot out, yeah. you can get away with it. And it's, just, it's a nice, different feel to it. But it's nice too to get into a campsite too as well. Oh, I remember getting into that first campsite and we went swimming on a little creek and it was freezing cold, but it was so hot. And again, we were so afraid to run the air conditioning. And we also didn't know how much we could handle, the generator could handle everything. And I just think we were afraid to run the AC as much as we ended up. Now, I think we run it. We run it going down the road. We, <laughs> yeah. we probably don't follow all the best practices, but it was so refreshing to shower, to go swimming oh, and right. to shower. We were like, oh my gosh, this is so awesome. But I think that the, those three days of being on our own with an RV really opened our eyes to what was possible. Yeah, it was. And it kind of got the wheels turning and not that I needed to be 60 to have an RV. I just use that term, but I, you always think of RVing, you're retired, you know, you've worked your, your life away to get this thing. And now you go do the, the RV thing where, where now I'm like this, I could see this working. And kind of was getting on board with it. I think I think Heidi was a little bit more fast to go to it, but I'm like I, I can I, this is this could be good. I could see our family liking it and and that we can bring our dog with and have more of our our own stuff where it's not, you know, you're you're camping and you're you're restricted as to what you can bring with. Yeah. I think a couple of things led us to actually going down the RV route. One is I realized it didn't have to be restrictive. Instead of thinking about it as holding us back and us being stuck, I almost reframed it to being like, this is our vacation house on wheels. And we can essentially vacation now anywhere, but with an RV instead of flying somewhere and then renting a car. And I, I too, I, I like that that saying just because it is our vacation house on wheels. We can go anywhere we want and kind of set up. I mean, it's not that we have, you know, we're kind of restricted, obviously, if we want to go, you know, overseas, but it, like we can go anywhere we want and set up friends that have a cottage. We can come up there with it and, and hang out and we have everything that we need. For the most part, we're set up in 10 minutes at the mm -hmm. most. And, and that's the nice part about it too. I was, I always thought about camping and, and setting up a camper like, oh, you watch them, you know, you got to level it and do all these things. We're a little bit fortunate with the, the one that we got. But again, the, it's pretty, pretty slick the way that it sets up and you're ready to go in five minutes probably at the most. Yeah. So the thing you should know about my husband and I is that I come up with all these crazy ideas, but we have a rule that we can't say no to each other. And so in true like husband-wife format, I, we have this crazy idea like we're going to buy something, right? And you began the research process. So let's just start by telling all the listeners, like, what even are the options when you look at buying a camper? What are some of the different types of campers that you could be looking into? So as we did go down that road, there's, I've learned a lot too in the different classes. Like I always, class A is basically one that has um, like a semi-frame under it. You're a lot taller, you're going to be wider. It's more heavy duty 
And then you have a B class, which is like more your compact ones that are more like a camper van, if you will. But they can get quite larger as well, depending on what model you're looking at, I guess. Um, and then you have your C classes, which is a truck chassis camper. So they're a little bit smaller and you don't have as, you don't have the under storage as you would as A class. In A class, you've got your living quarters are above the frame. Whereas the C class, you're kind of down closer to the ground. And I like to compare it just because I like metaphors. So your A class is almost like the size of a bus, not like a school bus or anything, but almost like a coach bus where you're sitting up higher and everything's up above. And the C class is more like a moving truck where the driver and passenger are kind of lower to the ground and everything kind of, is that fair? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And they usually have an over cab bed or a bunk above where you sit and drive. And then there's also trailers and we didn't go into, so just kind of do a travel trailer is what? Travel trailer is one that you would bumper pull. So you'd actually like have a hitch on the back of your vehicle and and hook it up that way. And that's where our pop-up is a very common way of pulling a trailer. And then you also have a fifth wheel, which has a tow plate in the actual box and that's permanent. They are removable, but pretty permanent. And they're, they're typically, they will pull a little bit better if you go the fifth wheel route. But there's just there's a just difference in, in I guess opinion the people that I've talked to why they went the way they went. And I would say of all of them, we we started looking at travel trailers before we were exposed to an RV. And I, in terms of sizes, how long how they can be pretty small, but then all the way up to what you can get. Uh, I think like the some of the fifth wheels you can get 40, 45 no, feet. Travel trailer. Oh, travel trailer. I think you can get into closer to forty feet. I'm not. Is really that with sure. the vehicle? No, that's just trailer itself. Okay, so then bumper to bumper, you get pretty. You can get pretty long depending on what you want to do. And fifth wheels are usually even bigger. Yes. And you have a little bit more towing capacity. And so I think one of the things we talked about was. We liked the flexibility of the class. We ended up with a class ARV and we'll get into why and how that happened, which is kind of a funny story, but we liked the flexibility. We had rented all classes, we should mention, leading up to, we had rented both um, there and then in Alaska, we had a class C. And I think one of the things we really liked was the flexibility of just being able to go to the bathroom when you needed to, or I could get, the, the kids could get snacks so they could move about a little bit more freely. There are seat belts at the dining room table and on the couch. And for the most part, we stay stationary, but the kids are allowed to move more freely or lay down and watch a movie in the back bed. And that was kind of the deal breaker for me with the RV was the kids could be in it while we're moving, whereas the the campers, the trailers, and the fifth wheels, you were not in there. So the kids were confined to the tow vehicle. And we have three kids, and obviously we'd have the dog with. And my, I'm like, I didn't see the gain in it if we were really going to travel around the country um, or if we were going to go on a long summer road trip, we would have three kids in my truck and it would just be uncomfortable. Uncomfortable, And that was one of the big advantages I saw was that the kids could be in their own space and enjoy, you know, sitting at the dining room table and, and drawing or playing a game or doing kids stuff that by the time other than just sitting on a screen. Yeah, exactly. So we ended up going with the class A do you want to talk through, like, how did you begin researching it and what, where did we actually find? Oh, I will actually talk from, like, the emotional standpoint of this was at least, I think, from the first RV that we rented, the Class C, where we went out west, we had got the idea that we were going to buy something and we began looking. And it was an emotional roller coaster because every time 
we found something. Some of them were local. Some of them were further away. We'd get all excited and either we'd put in an offer and it, it was already sold or something fell through or just, it just seemed like it was every, we probably had six or seven that we looked yeah, at. Yeah, we looked at quite a few. I think we opened it up too, which was nice. Um, I was really looking just in within our, our state. And then we started looking further, like we went to um, out of state a little bit. And again, it was like, we don't want to go too far. And then Heidi had brought up, she's like, why don't we just look elsewhere? Like, across the country and find that that deal. Um, so we kind of started doing that. And again, we'd find them, they'd be up, they'd be gone. And then we'd go look at them and be like, all right, we're going to do this, I think. And then a day or two later, sold. So it was just this complete like snowball effect of just getting excited and then just the downer, getting excited. And then finally, we were both like, all right, it's not meant to be. We're, it was a Sunday night. I'll never forget this. We both said, we're done. We're done looking. Let's just walk away. And do you want to? Yeah. Well, I kept falling in love with them. And I think that I would get my heart set on them. So yes, it was a Sunday night. We had just the class C that we were going to purchase. It was a super C. It was a bigger class C that we were going to purchase. We just agreed like on an offer price and we went to go message them and it came up sold. And we were like, what the heck? Seriously, why does this keep happening? I'm like, I'm done. I don't want to see another RV. I'm done. Don't show me anything. And on Wednesday morning at 6.30 a.m., you came in bed and you said, I don't know if I should show you this. And yeah, it was, I happened just to pull up a group I was on Facebook and I was looking through them and this camper RV came up. And as soon as I looked at the pictures, I'm like, wow, every one of our kids will have a bed. Nobody has to sleep on the dinette, which is fine. It's just, we don't have to set it up. And when I saw that, I was like, whoa, that's the one. I don't know if I want to show it to her. And it's in Florida and it's a class A, which we never even thought about a class A. It wasn't even on my radar. I was like, that's just too big. It's not manageable. But then I started looking at it and the specs of it, I'm like, oh, it's only 32 feet. Like the biggest camper we rented, I think out in Alaska was, was I think 29 or something. So it wasn't far off that. And I'm like, wow, I started really putting it in perspective. I'm like, this kind of feels like a good fit. And then I... Well, the Class C that we just were going to buy was almost was 36 feet. So yeah. the the Class C that we just were looking at was actually going to be bigger than this one. Yeah, it hit all of the check marks. So I had some criteria. And this is what I would really encourage people. If you're thinking about this, like what are the non-negotiables? So we had a couple non-negotiables. And one of them was I wanted every kid to have their own space, meaning their own bed. Every time we had rented, it was a fight over who got the pull-down couch as their bed and who slept where. It was just always a fight. And so I wanted to make sure everybody had their own space. And so this is a bunkhouse. It has an upper and lower bunk in the back and then the pull-down that comes above the driver's seat. So that was important to us. I wanted a enough storage down below. That was a huge criteria. And a lot of places, there just really was not much storage. And at one point, I thought I wanted an outdoor kitchen. But after playing around with some stuff, I was like, yeah, I don't feel like that's a non-negotiable. And that seemed like it was more of a, you lost a lot of that storage space where it was at. So to me, it was a trade-off. I'm like, we, and I went and purchased a, a used grill that was like brand new. I'm like, this is exactly what I I need. And th- we worked around a, little, a few of the other things, like there's no outdoor sink. Well, you know, to bring stuff in or what do you, are you really going to do this outside? Yeah. It was more the cooking outside. I it think was more the found, cooking. Yep. Because when you're when it's hot, nobody wants to, you heat up the RV, you you know, you, you heat up the inside space so quickly and then it's really hard to cool off. So I think the cooking was helpful to have an option to cook outside. I'm trying to think of some of the other non-negotiables. Obviously, we had to have a bathroom. So that was yep. one of the reasons we started to head down the RV route. And we wanted 
I think it was mostly storage, indoor and outdoor. Was there enough space? Yeah. I think. I think we were pretty simple where we didn't have a lot of things that were required. But I would encourage you as listeners, what are the things that are most critical to you? And we just, after trial and error and testing it and seeing what worked, we liked not having to set up. I think that was another piece is when this system came with an auto leveling system that we didn't know we wanted that. But now that we have it, I don't know that we imagined. <laughs> I, right. It's got more bells and whistles than I expected. Um, but I, I think when you you know kind of look at those non-negotiables of what you want, and you know, perhaps rent one. Yeah. Go try it out because it might not be for you. Um, you might say, "Oh, maybe a travel trailer is really what I want," or maybe it's you know the tow vehicle that would go with it. Or if you're you know looking at the RV, you know, think about the fact that you know your length. You know, do you are, do you want to go into state parks? Do you want to go into national parks? Those are things that you got to consider. But also, if you go the RV route. Um, you have to drive the RV everywhere, like the grocery store. And yeah. that's the thing that we've kind of wrestled with a little bit about how we're going to do that. So if you do, you know, think about those. You're restricted to what you're driving. Um, so those are the things that I looked at um, when we were looking at it. And But the A-Class wasn't something I was, once we started really looking at it, then it was like, okay, now we're getting an A-Class. What What is the A-Class and what's it all involved? And started digging into that. Yeah. And we got pretty lucky. And just to like clarify that we looked everywhere. We looked online. So there's a couple Facebook groups that we were a part of. We ultimately ended up buying through, I think it was full-time families full-time had families. its only like, so full-time families is a membership for families that are full-time RVers or you don't have to be full-time, but it's, it's a membership basis for people who do travel via camping or live their life mostly out of RVs. So that's a member. I'll link it up in the show notes in case anyone's interested. And I was a member of their Facebook group. And then we had found this other group that where you sell, buy, sell. It's all camping gear, essentially. So we found it through that. But we also were a part of just other marketplace groups. And we were following them. There's a couple of RV dealers that we were watching. Yeah, we used RV, RV Trader. Trader with some things. Um, I had, you know, you could, they all were great. Um, it just depend on where, you know, what geographical location you want to be using or looking through. Yeah. Um, it was nice with the full-time families. You just saw, I feel like, I feel like I had a good comparison there because there was different stuff out there and you saw a lot of people posting stuff for sale and it just gave me a sense of, okay, where, where's my budget or where's this, this range kind of at. And you know, people were living in their RVs, you know, like they really valued and took care of their things. Whereas a dealer, I just wasn't sure, but there were, there were challenges with that too, because we were buying direct from the people as opposed to going through a dealer. So then financing became tricky where we had to take out a personal loan as opposed to. So even before we even got into that, I think the, the bigger thing that I was worried about before we even got into the financing was, you know, we looked at the camper and we're like, all right, we're going to do this. And then, okay, it's in Florida. <laughs> and and I, I messaged the guy and kind of just got the ball rolling and just the, I wanted to move very quickly, not necessarily to get it in my hands, but just to know that, hey, we're super serious about this and we're, we're you know, invested and we want to you know, make this work. Um, so I messaged him then I, he had his number and I called him and this was Wednesday evening. I'm like, I just got to find out if this right. thing's still available. So I just called him cold, called him after I did messaging him and we'd already set up, I think by then, um, that we were going to meet on a Friday and have a video conference and do a walkthrough with it. But I just like, I had to call and when I did, he's like, yep, we've already had two walkthroughs. We've had dealers contact us and we're just like, I'm like, we're super serious. And he's like, well, where are you from? And I'm like, well, we're coming from Northeast Wisconsin. He's like, okay, I thought so. 
And I, when I saw that and he's like, so you're serious. I'm like, yeah, we're very serious. And we did, then we went set up the walkthrough and did the walkthrough with them. And you know, from there it was like the oohs and the ahs. And I was, I was sold. I'm like, this is, this is the rig that, that we wanted. Yeah. And then getting into the other piece of it, I don't know if you want to talk about the you know, buying it and how yeah. that worked out. I think one of the things is we didn't rule any options out and we knew it was going to be potentially risky buying from a private person as opposed to a dealer. You know, you don't have the inspections per se. And I don't know, none of those. So you're pretty handy. I felt like you and I have done enough research just in visiting a lot of them that we knew what to look for and what questions to ask. Just major things that you look for. Um, some of the things that I guess I was looking for when I was looking through the RVs was I was getting underneath them, looking for rust underneath the frame. What what kind of condition was the underbody really like? And then really just going through, you know, typical engine stuff. You got a, an actual engine in the vehicle, looking at that, making sure it was well-maintained. And if they had records of maintenance on it, that made me feel good because they actually, you know, took care of their vehicle. Um and then from there, it was just kind of the interior stuff. That was kind of you're kind of looking at. You were looking at water damage a lot? Yeah, water damage was a huge one. Um, we did find a couple water damage ones where they had like the skylights. That was another one. Um, typically in the bathroom shower, you'd always find that there was a skylight in there. And we did find one that had a lot of water damage. Um, I would, I did crawl up on all of them. and On the roof? On the roof and would look at all of those pieces that are up there. You're going to find your air conditioner up there. You're going to have uh, some vents up there and looking at what kind of condition they were, like the seams and everything. Um, I did find out that a lot of times they'll go back and recock them and refinish them and just looking at it to see if it had been done and done well. Mm -hmm. And you could see a lot of, you know, different issues there and try everything out, turn it all on, go through everything. Um, one of them that we looked at, I, they had it plugged in, the refrigerator will work typically if it's a, a gas and electric one, it'll work on one or the other. And I asked the gentleman, can you turn it over to the gas or turn the gas on so I can see that the refrigerator works? And thankfully I did because it didn't work. And that was like a deal breaker because I know that um, those refrigerators are not cheap to repair and or replace. So not knowing that, I mean, you just really want to get in there. If you're going to purchase something, it'd be no different than taking a vehicle for a test drive. You're going to play with all the buttons and see what it does do that. Make sure that you check everything out. Take it, go through with a fine tooth comb. Yeah. And I think being the wife, I look at a lot of the interior things like the, what does it look like? So much of that, just like buying a house is cosmetic. You know, there were things like that didn't phase me at all. Cause I know, yeah, is it going to bother me in the future? Maybe, but like the interior, the fabric, the upholstery, it's going to need a little bit of an update at some point, but it's not that bad for me. Or you could uh, easily paint. I know we were lucky that the owners before this kind of did an interior refresh, which was nice. And it was kind of funny because all those bells and whistles really didn't face me at all. So I think just being aware of what can be the squirrel versus what are the things that are going to cost you a lot of money. It's easy to get distracted by the cosmetic things. This RV has more TVs in it than our house does. And I think it could be easy to look at it and be like, it has everything we need. But if it wasn't well-maintained, 
you may have a bigger problem than yeah so those you know as you look at those you know just do do a typical walk around you know create a list and bring it with i had a list that i had stored on my phone of things to look look at um tires are another big one um typically if you're buying an rv or even a tra- travel trailer check the tires make sure they're not weather checked make sure that they're in good shape in good order for you know what year it is i mean obviously wear and tear is going to happen but that's tires are a huge expense i mean buying something like this and having to replace six sets of tires is not yeah, cheap so exactly yeah so all of that was just really helpful having someone like my husband who could have that walkthrough available and we'll try to put some of those notes in the show notes if we can go through your checklist maybe i'll add those to the show notes just so people know so then we get into the budgeting um and i talked a little bit about that if you're going to finance and it's not through a dealership with private purchase we the only i'll just make one note of that is we actually had to take out a personal loan until we had the title in hand and then we were able to change it over to a typical RV or... Um, and that was really just because we were, A, going to a private party and out of state. So out of state was kind of the, the deal breaker um, of going to get it. So mm-hmm. with the conversations that we had, we knew that going going down, going down into it. So that was something that we knew you know, right away. I had lost questions about the titling of it because that bring up a whole new thing that I never even thought of was, okay, we're going to drive to Florida, fly to Florida, go down, get this RV... And then drive it back with um, a title that the owner and myself have signed and no plates on this thing. And I'm like, oh, it's an RV. Nobody, nobody will pull us over. So um, I actually had a contact and I asked him, he was a, a police officer. And I'm like, hey, if I got this RV, how would I go about getting plates before I get it? And he's like, it's kind of hard because you don't have the title. So you need the title to be to go. I'm like, all right, makes sense. I'm like, well, I'm an RV. Who's going to really pull me over? And he's like, it's the first thing I look for is no plates on the vehicle. I'm like, great. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> so that was, I think, part of, I mean, first of all, we're buying one-way tickets to Florida to buy an RV from some people we've never met, sight unseen. You know, like it, there were so many things that I was like, are we crazy? But that was just another one. We were just at every state. We were like just waiting to get pulled over. <laughs> and we were, I think part, part of us was like, for sure, we're getting pulled oh, over now. For, for sure. sure, we're getting pulled over now. And cops were behind us multiple times. And I was like, here it is. Yep. And we'd be ready for it. I'm waiting and nothing happens. They drive by or pull off. It's like, oh, okay. Well, yeah. here we go. Yeah. So we obviously did this in March of 2021. We bought one-way tickets to Florida. And the crazy thing was you had to work. So you could only take off one personal day and you had to fly back. And then because you didn't have spring break for another couple days, you had to come back, go to work for a couple days and then fly back down to meet us. So I think the unnerving part for me was that I had to be able to drive this with three children. And I will say for anyone who thinks I could never do this, like I think about adventure Every once in a while, I remind myself, like, you know, you need to get uncomfortable every once in a while. And this was not nearly as bad as I thought it was. It was such a head game for me that I was so anxious. And I, I mean, you're laughing. I have just, and it was like one of those things that once we booked everything and we did the walkthrough and we, we knew we were doing this and they were like, okay, we need to set up some camping. And we did, we booked our campgrounds just so that we, knowing that I had to come back and then fly back down but not realizing what time we could get in the campsite and what time my flight was on the day that I had to go back. And when we realized that, I was like, oh boy, um, Heidi, you need to learn to drive this. Yeah. And, and as well, me too. I, th- I think going into it, I was pretty comfortable with it, but it was once you really get behind the wheel and you go, wow, 
I am eight feet wide and 30 feet long and 12 and a half feet tall. So that was the big thing was just getting used to it. I drove it the first time. You drove it before I even Well, I did. even, yeah, I drove it the very first day. Yep. And I remember the the previous owner was still with us. And I think we just went to lunch and I drove it back. Once we got into our site, he's like, okay, now you're going to drive it in. And I had to park it. And I think that was the hardest part for me. Like driving down the road, I wasn't as concerned about because you've got a lot of tools, right? You got the mirrors and stuff like that that can help you. But then parking it, I was like, I'm a big rig. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I'm 32 feet long and I'm big and I'm, I don't even like driving your truck. No, you don't. <laughs> so I was a little freaked out by that. But I will say it was not nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be. But we went and scoped it out. So we went and checked it out, drove in, like kind of walked through how I would go about parking it. And then knowing that we were going to be in there, did we use our cell phones or did we bring walkie-talkies? The first we didn't time? have our walkie-talkies at that point, okay. but it was helpful to have someone guiding you. Because even though you can see pretty well on your own and this camper is really, or this RV is pretty forgiving, quite honestly. It, it was, is. It's a lot easier than I thought it would be to back it up and, you know, get close to where I needed it to be with the hookups and everything. It was pretty forgiving, but it's still helpful to have someone there that you can, you can't always see them. You can't always hear them. Mm-hmm. So it is helpful. I would say just a tip to have either cell phones or walkie talkies. I think walkie talkies is easier. Yep. So yeah, we always bring those even, I mean, I could, most places I feel pretty comfortable, but just that backing up into a campsite, like you see a tree, like am I, how close am I really to it in the mirror? So that's just, it's a peace of mind to have somebody out there just guiding you. And we have backup cameras, but more often than not, our bikes are on the back of the campers. It's not always easy with the backup camera, so I don't like relying on that either. I think the the key is doing a couple practice runs too, whenever you can, in just small spaces that aren't so intimidating has helped me get over that. And I still, I forget sometimes because I rely on you. But let's go back to just general maintenance. We pick it up, we drive home. We've now taken, gosh, three trips, four trips? Three but, trips. Yeah. Yeah. So what are some general things now that you're thinking about regularly with just maintaining it? So some of the maintenance things like when we're on the road moving, I typically check all the tires on a daily basis to make sure that they're aired up. I don't necessarily take the PSI of them just to make sure that there's air in them. I've checked that prior to the trip that we're taking. And then just you know checking the oil periodically when you're on the trip. Outside of that, the maintenance is pretty easy while we're on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't check too much. No, there's gauges inside that let you know your levels. And I would only say that they're not always accurate because of how the sensors work. So I think we generally just keep in touch. Like, how is our water actually doing? Do you think that's accurate? Or is our black tank really that full? Or Yes. And that's something that we did learn on our last trip. We were in the Dakotas where it was really hot um, and it had condensate in the tank. So it looked like our black water was super full. And I knew that, I mean, how can we fill up a 60 gallon tank when we have 40 gallons of water on hand? Like it just doesn't add up. So, you know, the the gauges are nice and and I wouldn't say it's a maintenance piece, but it's more of, you know, is this real? Yeah. The maintenance of it, um, there's really not much you can do. There is, if you do notice the uh, sensors are hanging up, if you will, there is a a swizzle stick, they call it. So ultimately you are taking basically like a... I don't even know how to explain what it does. It basically just sprays like water, snake like a little something. snake, and you put it down the toilet, and it just sprays water in there, and it washes it out. Yeah, we'll link that up in a show note. That's yeah. kind of just one of those handy tools. And in not terms- something I'd ever heard of. Yeah. There's a couple other things, too. I think just helpful storage. We um, All of our bins are just open, so having some separate baskets or bins. I just went to Walmart and got some. I think that's really helpful. And then also the other pain point, and I know this isn't necessarily a maintenance tip, 
but the bedding on the kids' bunks was a pain in the butt. Oh, yeah. And because they were constantly, we had, um, we just used sleeping bags the first time. Yeah, because we had to, when we went to Florida, we had to purchase all of it while we were there. We did pack sleeping bags for the kids, but we had to buy all the pillows and then the bedding for our bed. And the, that was a problem. So my daughter fell off the top bunk every single night, I think. (laughs) I'm laughing because two times and then we've like, all right, we'll move you to the couch as we're going. Cause we were, we were traveling. We were traveling one day. Yeah. And And she fell asleep and she fell off the couch and And she couldn't get back (laughs) up. She was trying to hop up the couch in her sleeping bag. So we just decided we needed a solution because the sleeping bags too were always falling down. Like they were always, Mm -hmm. even when they were up there and then bedding, it's hard to put regular sheets on the bunks just because the mattresses are so different. So in our bed, we have a full size actual mattress. So that that's not as big of a deal. With the bunks, we did go with Betty's. So it's a zip up system. And again, I'll link that. And I think I have a, a coupon code if people are interested in purchasing or if you're interested. Betty's are not just for campers or for RVs. They are for anyone's beds and they're super cool. I don't have them on our beds at home, but we do have them in the RV. And I felt like that was a really helpful tip. Is there any other tools or things that just keep RV life simple and helpful? Uh, yeah. The So we've got the self-leveling system and there's there's many different ways to go ahead and level it. We just have jacks that come down, but in soft ground, we've got these blocks. They're leveling blocks and you can stack them up. They're like, I'd say eight by eight, maybe like inch and a half thick. And you can just stack them up to get different different levels because sometimes your jacks will go too far and they just can't level out. But for the most part, they're in there and it's soft too. I did camp once and went set up and it was raining and I put the jacks down and I'm like, wow, I don't even feel me moving. And I got out and the jacks had sunk right into the ground. So without them, I would have never been able to level or been able to get our, our extendo out to, to put that out there. So the last thing, like the maintenance stuff, just remember that you're going down the road. This thing's rocking and rolling. Um, things loosen up. Uh, we've got overhead vents that I'm forever like going and opening them up and then, go, oh, the handle's loose. So, you know, I bring with some some mediocre tools, you know, just some small stuff for the inconvenience of some of the smaller stuff. But it's not like I have the tools to change a tire. They're just way too big to change one of these tires. So just, you know, small tools, just check everything. On one of our last trips, found out that we were losing our hood, which was not our hood a, or our grill? Our grill and hood. Oh, great. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know it was that big of a deal. <laughs> yeah. It's just stuff that you find, you know, just don't, be aware, you know, ch- look at things, check things. Then only the reason I knew that was I had done some research and found out that they glue everything together. Well, the glue doesn't hold forever. So had to do some roadside maintenance, but it's, it's just, you know, check it out. You're going to find stuff and, you know, dive into it. There's enough resources out there to figure out how to go about fixing yeah, just one other thing, a couple of things too that we've found. Some of them came with us and some we've purchased, I think. But what about the plug-in? There's like a, a little thing to check oh, yeah. to make sure that... So ultimately you have a surge protector that you go and check the electrical that you're plugging into. And it tells you, it's kind of like a, an outlet that you would check your house with, mm-hmm. but you're checking the campsite's electricity to make sure that, you know, it's wired correctly and you're not getting over voltage or it's, you know, missing a ground or what have you. But it's got lights that light up. If you get two on the top, you're good to go. And then you plug your unit into, it's a surge protector. Okay. And it also, in case there's a, a jump in electricity, it doesn't hurt your RV. So it's basically your your buffer between what's happening in the world versus your your rig. So it can, from my aspect, when I've learned about it, it could save a lot. 
And then the inverter, that's really helpful while we're driving. Oh, yeah. they uh, We have an inverter that uh, basically hooks up to our batteries so we can plug in and charge our phones because one thing that we didn't think about was, you know, we're driving and it's kind of like your, your vehicle for the most part. You don't have plug-ins or you just have maybe like the little adapter for a cigarette lighter and it's only one of them in the, the RV that works. So we were very limited because we do have three kids that are like, oh, we want to watch a device or my battery's low because I didn't charge it when... We were at the last place. So we have were a, doing online schooling and we needed too, yep. to like get access to our computers. So yeah, we have an inverter that basically just is wired up to our house batteries. So there's in an RV, there's typically two sets of batteries. You're going to have your house batteries, which are going to run your RV. And then you also have the, the motor batteries, if you will. So what the motor runs on. Uh, so yeah, we've got an inverter that's plugged into our house battery. So as we're going, uh, we can charge what have you. It's just like a regular plug-in. It's got a switch, turn it on, and it starts drawing DC power and turns it into AC power so mm-hmm. that we have something to charge different devices, if you will. Yeah. So I think those are just making life a little bit more comfortable while on the road. I do feel like we have found a groove on the road. We so just full transparency, I just got back from flying again and I haven't flown in, a, it feels like since Hawaii, which I guess wasn't that long ago. And I forget how much freedom we have in the RV. And I think one of the things I was nervous about and one of the reasons we've been testing this was how long can we be in the RV and be comfortable? Because when we're traveling, we're, and when I say airfare travel, like when we're flying somewhere and then staying, you know, and this time we stayed in hotels, which we normally wouldn't do, but we were just be bopping around and it was just the four of us and then rental cars, you know, like you're kind of confined in what's available to you. So I wasn't sure with the RV, would we feel like that? And I think our learning has been, no, we don't, I don't feel confined. The kids feel pretty open and like they can do everything they want to do. But so far we've been gone. I think the longest we've been gone is 12 days. Yes. Our last trip was. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's more just the flexibility of, hey, we're hungry. We're going to stop and cook lunch. Yeah. And we just need We need a space. That's all we need. We've got everything that we need. It's not like we have to go search for a restaurant. What does everybody want? Because it never fails. I want yeah. I want a sandwich and somebody wants a piece of a slice of pizza. So it's just nice that we have the availability of the fridge and be like, all right, let's pull over and eat and yeah. do our thing. And I think the other thing too, is when we start to get a little stir crazy, we go outside. Yeah. <laughs> we have an entire world to us. That's different every single day. It's not like we're staying at one place for a really long time. I shouldn't say different every day, but for the most part, we're moving every couple days. At yeah. Minimum. So far we have. And You know, it's also funny because on our last trip, I thought we would be a little stir crazy after. So now I should say we've learned we can be almost a week independent without any hookups and last on water and electricity and everything. So for about a week, we've known our threshold for a family of five. And I thought we would add in a place about halfway through to have like hookups, full hookups, full entertainment, all these amenities for the kids. And the funniest thing happened. The kids were like quite the opposite. They're like, what happened to the free place? Like we liked the place last night and we're like, oh, the free place that had nothing and no amenities. So it's fascinating to me how our kids have adapted that the things that we thought as parents would be important to them actually are the things that kind of annoy them now because there's so many people and they have to wait in lines for things. Yeah, it's kind of a privilege problem, but it's also the opposite of what we sometimes think. You know, I think 
sometimes as parents, we feel like we have to shower them with things. And we've actually learned the more simple our life is in the RV. Just go play in the river. Go play in the river. And wade in the river looking for fish. Go, yeah, look for seashells. Go. It's, it has been some of the most simple things have actually brought the greatest joy. So I think we have learned quite a bit from this, but like, why are we doing this? What is, what is RVing offered our family that might be of interest to other families? For, I don't know, my viewpoint on it, it's really the freedom, the, the flexibilities to say, we're going to do this today or what are, where are we going to go? And, and kind of formulate that plan and have the flexibility. I think that's the big piece for me. And we're together. You know, there's times where it's like, okay, kids, you need to go outside. Like <laughs> I, I need just five minutes of time to, to do the dishes and just stay out. Um, but again, you learn so much just being confined in this area. Yeah. Does it get a little, little edgy? Sure. But you get to learn to get along in this space. And this is where we're going to live for this amount of time. So, you know, that's a big piece too, but the flexibility of saying, yeah, that was great. Maybe we're going to extend it a day or two here and you can kind of do that. Or, you know what, we like boondocking here or there and, and can do that. Or, you know, and again, it's just that flexibility of we have everything here and we're in it and we can stop whenever we want. That, yeah, I think that is, that's been like the major win for me. I think the first time we were in the RV was the first time I just felt like, oh my gosh, everything is so much simpler. There's five dishes, there's five spoons, there's, we have just enough to be happy and to survive. And I don't feel like I'm always weeding through the noise of like, oh, there's so many options. I don't know what to do. I feel like we have found our groove as a family and really getting to hang out and unplug, we don't, I mean, there's been multiple times we don't let the kids take their tablets sometimes when we go either. So it's forced family time. And it's, yeah, I think it's, it's required us to get a little bit more flexible and creative. Mm -hmm, for sure. So get outside, enjoy life. If you aren't one that is thinking you want to purchase, because I don't think you need to purchase an RV. In fact, for most people, it would probably be a waste of time or a waste of money just because you're not going to use it enough. So if you're someone that's interested in camping, I actually have an insider's guide to RV rental. And I'll drop that sh that episode in the show notes. It gives you a tip, too, of just where to start if you're looking at just renting. Because I don't think everyone has to buy a camper in order to appreciate and explore it. But I wanted to give a little bit of a deep dive into this episode on why we are RVing and some of the things that we found great value in. So thanks, husband, for joining me on the show. It's been fun. And there you have it. That is part of our camping story and a little bit of where we are today. So for that, I have six key takeaways. Number one, start small. Our journey to owning an RV started with a cheap tent. If that seems too adventurous, look at renting an RV or a camper that feels like a better fit for your family. Number two, define your pain points. While the allure of RV living can look luxurious, we wanted to keep the simple things in our focus. A hard top to get us out of the rain and off the ground was the only requirement when we rented our first pop-up. Number three, don't underestimate the power of a wilderness experience. While I thought our kids would need a break and I booked a campsite mid-vacation with all the amenities, it turned out to be more annoying and less desirable than the places we had stayed for free while boondocking. Being bored in nature has allowed our kids' creativity to shine and new forms of adventure to emerge. Number four, Buying an RV is a big investment. Treat it like buying a new house and have some tools and checklists to guide you through the process. 
I should note here, it's not ready yet, but Mr. Dusick is actually writing an uh, ebook to help guide you or any listeners through RV life. Everything from planning the process and our trips to buying an RV to maintenance processes. And we'll announce all of that in our email list and on the Facebook group when it's published. So just know that that is actually in the works. Number five, don't let the fear of something uncomfortable hold you back from trying it. I never imagined sitting 12 feet up looking semi-drivers in the eye as I passed them on the highway. It was so much easier than I anticipated. And this is coming from someone who doesn't like to drive my husband's pickup truck. We practice just like we were learning how to drive a new car. Even though it's uncomfortable, it's an exhilarating and quite honestly, it's increased my self-confidence pretty tremendously. And number six, while many will consider our RV to be a depreciating asset, we see it as our vacation home on wheels that has opened up so many new doors that we didn't know were possible. Just stay tuned. You never know where this adventure is going to take us. I hope this episode was a little bit entertaining, a little bit educational, and can help you think about different ways that adventure might show up in your story. As always, if you would be willing, we are several weeks away from our one-year anniversary, and I would love, love the pleasure of having a written review from you. So again, please go to OrdinarySherpa.com backslash review so that I can read your written review on the show next couple weeks. Take care and keep on adventuring. If you found value from today's show, here are three easy ways you can support us. Subscribe to Ordinary Sherpa Podcast on the platform you're listening to. It lets the providers know that you're getting value from the show and want to be around when we release additional content. If you feel compelled, leave us a review. Two, find your friends, family, and others you think would enjoy this show and share this episode. Three, and most importantly, join the community of families interested in creating authentic experiences through simple adventures by going to OrdinarySherpa.com backslash community. We want to hear from you and create content that would benefit your family. Thanks for joining us on this journey as we help families connect through adventure.